Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free. So we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season two. I'm your host, Jess Sabanko. And I'm your host, Mia Sabanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing season two, episode nine, Ms. Hellfire. It originally aired on January 13th, 2000, following the winter hiatus and had 5.72 million viewers. All right, so this episode starts out in the manor. Prue, we see her walking into the dining room and she's on the phone reorganizing her schedule for the day. And Phoebe is sitting at the table and she's eating and reminds Prue that the last Tybo class is at seven. She thinks she can make it, but things just aren't working out schedule wise. And then Prue's cell phone starts ringing and Phoebe goes to get it. She answers and it's Mr. Caldwell, the new VP in the office about an emergency staff meeting. And her assistant and Phoebe both tell her like, at the same time, basically, that the meeting is at 9.30, be there, be fired. Phoebe says that she needs a nap, and Prue says, well, I need another me. I don't even have time to have fun anymore. And then Piper walks in the back door, and they start teasing her a little about never seeing her anymore because she spends all her time with Dan. And Piper says, that's because I can, for the first time in months, my life is nice and calm and normal. I don't even care that it's Friday. The, and then Phoebe shushes her and cuts her off. And Piper finishes her sentence anyways and says the 13th. See, I said it and nothing happened. And then all of a sudden gunshots hit the table and like blow up the juice and just continue around the room like a drive-by shooting. And the sisters run and hide. And then Phoebe said, I told you not to say it. And Piper's like, oh, so this is my fault. And Piper runs over to where the other ones are. So they're all behind the couch, freezing some bullets as she goes. And then Phoebe says, since when do demons use bullets? And Piper said, maybe it's not a demon. And then Prue says, who else would want to kill us? Phoebe's like, well, you know, you were a little sharp to the mailman yesterday. We all know how testy they can be. And then they hear the front door lock click. And they kind of say their little plan. Piper's like, freeze. Phoebe says, kick. And Prue's like, send flying. And then a woman in all leather with a red bob walks in from the back door with a huge gun. And they all look at her and she starts shooting at them. And then Prue uses her power to push the bullets back into her. She shot three times and then in the chest and the woman drops to the floor. And they all go to the kitchen where her body is. And Prue's like, oh my God, she's not a demon. Yeah, so really hot start with this scene. Yeah, seriously. And they killed the human for the first time. Insane. I know. I guess, so starting from the beginning, I mean, we're establishing this idea that Prue is putting way too much of herself into work and it's kind of taking over her whole life and she feels very, like, stressed, very this need to be in two places at once, right? Which is a theme that'll come up throughout the episode. We see that, you know, Piper and Dan's relationship seems to be going well, from what we can tell here. Um, Piper's very happy. (laughs) And we also can see that 
there is this mysterious human who just came after them and now they're gonna have to deal with the consequences of that which i'm really excited about yes we're all still aware it's friday the 13th the big superstition day for everybody so yeah there's a lot to intake in this first scene a lot that'll kind of come up later but so far hot intro and i'm loving it yes so then from there we have the theme song And then we come back into the manor where the woman's body is still on the kitchen floor and the sisters are going through her purse. They find passports and foreign money and throwing stars, a lipstick that when you twist it, there's like a little knife inside. They find her apartment key and it's this place called Sutro Heights, which is not too far from them. Phoebe is kind of pointing out how they've never been attacked by a mortal before. And Prue says, yeah, I never killed a mortal before either. And, you know, Phoebe's like, Prue, you had no choice. And she says that it doesn't make it any easier. Piper's looking through a notebook and says, does it make it easier if the mortal was a hit woman? Because there's this list of names. One of them is on it. It says P. Hallowell. And then other than that, there's one name, M. Steadwell. The rest are all crossed off. And Prue realizes that someone must have hired her. So they look at another page and see that whoever hired her knew that they had powers. It says Prue, telekinesis, Piper, power to freeze, Phoebe, negligible. And (laughs) Phoebe's really bothered by that, obviously. (laughs) And then Piper says, well, that explains why she drove us to the front door and surprised us from behind. And Prue says, still, why would a demon hire a mortal to kill us? It doesn't make any sense. And Piper says, I just wish we knew about the part of the equation before we called. And then there's a knock at the door. Daryl walks in and Prue thanks him for coming. He says, to tell you the truth, I'm not sure I actually want to be here. Depends on whether or not you actually tell me the truth this time. And Phoebe tells him that someone tried to kill them. Daryl asks if they saw who it was. And Prue points to the kitchen and says that she's in there. Daryl's like, she? So we got a little sexist line from Daryl. We haven't heard one of those in a while. (laughs) (laughs) True character coming out. (laughs) So then Daryl goes over and he sees the body. They tell him that she started shooting and they think she's a hit woman. They were on her list. And he says, and that's why you're standing here alive. And she's in here riddled with bullets. Prue says, Daryl, it was self-defense. You can check her gun if you don't believe us. The only fingerprints that you're going to find on it are hers. And he says, begs the same question. How come she's got the bullets in her body if you didn't fire the gun? Phoebe asks if he really wants to know. He says, tell me. The sisters all look at each other. And then Phoebe says, we're witches. We we have powers. Piper says, and we think there's a, how do I put this? A demon behind this. Prue says, the only way for us to find out who it is is if you can keep all of this quiet for as long as possible. He asks to see the notebook and Phoebe tells him nine names are already crossed out. One more other than them is still like uncrossed. He sees on the page that it says M. Steadwell, plastique, 10 o'clock a.m. So he says plastic explosives. For all we know, she's already got someplace rigged up, ready to blow. Prue says maybe it's someplace that M. Steadwell is supposed to be at 10. Phoebe says it's after nine already. Daryl says that he's going to go check DMV records to find an address, and Phoebe's going to go with him. 
Prue and Piper are going to go to the woman's apartment after they make a quick stop at Buckland's. And Phoebe asks what they do about her. Daryl says, I can call in a favor and put the body on ice, but that's not going to buy you much time. One day, Max. And then him and Phoebe leave together. So, first of all, the whole of them going through her bag and, like, the ninja stars and the lipstick that has a blade inside. Did you ever, like, <laughs> like every time I watched this episode when I saw it, uh, um, do you remember being younger in those little fake spy kits that you could get at the store that had, like, lipstick blades in it? Yeah. <laughs> like, it felt, like, so childish to me. But, like, I thought it was funny because I remember, like, getting those when I was younger, like, the little spy kits that came with, like, a pack of all those things that are, like, (laughs) not actually that useful. But, anyways, I thought that was funny. But what do we think about Daryl finally finding out about the secret? I know. I'm, like, I'm so excited. For some reason in my head, this episode comes so much earlier in the season than it actually did. I mean, it's episode nine. We're not that far in, but we are. I mean, this is after the winter break. This is almost halfway through the season and Daryl's just now finding out. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this is going to change their dynamic with him throughout the rest of the show. I'm excited to see if this is going to bring them all closer or if this is going to cause some tension like it did after Andy found out like I'm really excited to see where this is going me too and I'm shocked about his reaction too I mean I guess it could be him being in shock but we've been we've been kind of leading up to this I remember we were talking about in other episodes how it's kind of leading up to him finding out and wondering if that's going to happen anytime soon and now here it is he's finding out and had nothing to say about it I don't I I think it was like I kind of feel like in a way he knew as much as he was denying all of that for so long and denying believing in any of those things I think a part of him kind of knew already and once they said it it was just kind of like confirmed and it almost seems like he wants to pretend it's just not there doesn't want to think about it doesn't want to talk about it like doesn't yeah that's what I'm kind of thinking too and I'm kind of questioning a little bit like it did feel a little anticlimactic to me that like he barely has a reaction at all when he finds out and I'm interested in watching his behavior throughout the episode I mean I don't want to get into things because I feel like I'll have things to say later as his lines come up but it's clear that he's not interested in knowing too much like here at the beginning he's like tell me the truth tell me the truth and then all of a sudden he wants to go back to his need to know basis so I see kind of a regression happening later in the episode yeah yeah and we'll we'll definitely get more into that because I I see the same thing as more of his lines continue and we see more of that but um as of now you can kind of get that vibe based on his very small reaction that it's just he wishes he could go back and not know. Yeah, definitely. That's what it seems like to me. But I like how even though he like, you know, probably there is a little bit of disbelief, like his still gut reaction is just to help, right? He's like, well, we could get somebody to do something with the body. We'll find out what this M. Steadwell thing is. Like, we're going to work on this and I'm here for you, basically. Yeah. It's kind of wild, the strings that he can pull as the cop. It kind of, 
I mean, it's good. It's helpful for them. But it's like, it makes you wonder, like, do people really do this? Like, if you're really good friends with a cop or something, are they able to kind of cover things up the way that he kind of can for the sisters? <laughs> like, Yeah. And it's also making me wonder, because I know we talked a little bit about this in season one, back when we were talking about Daryl and Andy's partnership. But I'm wondering exactly how high up in the ranks, like, Daryl kind of is. Because we always got the impression that he was a little bit higher up than Andy and had, like, more experience, at least, working in San Francisco. So I'm kind of wondering how high up he is, how respected he is by his coworkers, like that type of thing that's giving him the ability to kind of cover for the sisters and how, as he continues to do it, that may or may not change throughout the series. Right. Yeah, no, I'm definitely wondering the same thing. And also the <laughs> little sexist comment from Daryl. Yeah, I had to I mean, I guess out. it I wasn't, it, go. <laughs> it wasn't like, super sexist or anything but he see he was like she like like yeah a woman could be an assassin fuck you (laughs) (laughs) didn't you think the sisters were possibly working for the cia at one point so they could work for the cia but they can't be the killer (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly also i'm wondering once it kind of comes out like after this woman is done being covered up because like he said buy you a day one day max and then he's got to probably take legal actions like you normally would when you find a body how do the girls get out of that you know I mean I guess technically they never they never touched her and they never touched the gun but I'm just wondering how Daryl is going to cover where is he going to say he found the body what's you know how is this how is that going to play out but we never find out about that side of things you know yeah, we never I find didn't out even about think the about that. Because, yeah. like, a lot of times, you know, it's a demon, so, like, the body might disappear, or it was not at the manor, but this body was literally at the manor. This is now the second dead body there, right? Because we had yeah. Andy died there last season, and now this chick died there this season. Like, there's just a pile of bodies connected to the Hallowells now. It's not even, like, their names are just popping up in cases. Like, there are literally yeah. people dying in their home. Exactly. So it definitely, you would think it would come up as a little suspicious. So, I mean, I'm wondering if one day it's going to kind of fall back on them or if the show is just going to continue to like leave us, leave it in the blue. And you know, that thing where shows just doesn't really make sense, but they do it, you know, for Yeah, for that thing line. we call in uh film and television suspension of disbelief right we have to forget that it's not realistic for the sake of the story exactly exactly (laughs) I like that but um so I'm wondering if that's ever going to come back on them or if it's just going to be one of those things you know because I'm sure this won't be the last time something like this happens where humans you know mortals end up dying around the Hallowells I mean, being that they're involved with the demons all the time. So we'll see what happens with that. But another thing I'm curious about and excited it to see is where this whole assassin came from. What's what's her deal? Why is she after the Hallowells? Why is she after a list of people? And they're all dead, obviously, because they're crossed off. Except for Miss M. Studwell. Yeah. Right. So I'm excited to find out more about that. Me too. So 
Now we are at Buckland's and Mr. Caldwell is walking around the table speaking. He says, as the new regional VP of Buckland's auction houses, I'll be implementing a new course of action for a new millennium. The problem is I don't know you well enough to know who's worth keeping and who's not. And that's when Prue kind of sneaks in and try and like sits down next to Jack. And he tells her, you're late partner. She's like, we're not partners. And he's like, you want to bet? And then Mr. Caldwell calls her out for being late and asks her her name. And he tells her that she'll be partnered with Jack. And then Piper is trying to get her attention from like outside the room. And Mr. Caldwell is saying that every employee in this room and their partner has until tomorrow night to scour through the obits, do whatever you have to do to raise $100,000 of auction material. Prue raises her hand and she's like, by tomorrow. He says, if you want to keep your job, welcome to the new Bucklands. And then the meeting ends. And Jack says, whoa, guess we better clear the decks, huh? And Piper is still trying to get her attention. And Jack says, you know, Prue, we might even have to work over dinner. She's trying to say no. And he asks if they're in it together. And Piper's like stomping her feet at her. So Prue is like kind of stuck back and forth. And then suddenly Prue splits in two and appears next to Piper. Like just, just another Prue by Piper. And her sleeping self is still next to Jack. And then Prue is confused and Piper looks pretty shocked too. And then she goes back into herself and wakes up. Piper looks over at her and Jack asks if she even heard a word he said. And she says no. And then she says she's feeling a little weird and gets up to leave. And she goes over to Piper and she's like, what the hell just happened? She's like, I don't know. I think it was some sort of astral projection. Piper's like, how did you do it? She says, I don't know. I just felt this sort of desperate need for there to be two of me and all of a sudden there was and then piper says uh do you think this is part of your powers growing she says maybe i mean if i can move things with my mind why not my body and then she says let's just get out of here before it happens again and the two of them leave all right so a couple things with this scene my first question is you know, he's like, as the new regional VP of Buckland's auction houses, there are multiple auction houses. I never knew that before. I always thought it was one place. Me too. It must be like a big, a big company. I didn't, I didn't think about it either. And then that makes <laughs> me have so many more questions about last season with like Rex and Hannah and everything, right? Because like Rex took over the identity of like the owner of Buckland's son or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then we're supposed to just believe that there are multiple auction houses all of a sudden like it just feels like a lack of continuity to me that makes no sense yeah it doesn't make any sense it doesn't work with the whole rex and hannah story i wonder the one reason it might work actually now that i'm thinking about it because remember a few episodes ago they were talking about some type of like acquisition so maybe like another company bought it and now like Buckland's is one of many auction houses that they own but like they're making it seem like Buckland's is the chain as opposed to like they bought Buckland's as part of another chain which is what made it confusing to me because if like a bigger company bought them I could totally buy that as what happened but not that there were already multiple Buckland's that makes no sense yeah it doesn't it doesn't work that way unless they bought it but the way that they're saying it saying Buckland's auction houses yeah, it doesn't sound like 
another company bought it you know it's you're right it's just a lack of continuity yeah another thing is I mean is that normal I feel like Prue also for Prue to be the only one to question it the hundred thousand dollars by tomorrow I mean that's no no one would ever ask you to do something like that each individual person or each partner like out of that whole group has to have a hundred thousand dollars and with um oh crap what was her name with claire 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 yes with claire when the same thing she was like plan an auction by tomorrow yeah plan it by tomorrow and we need to sell two million dollars worth of inventory like what are you talking about that doesn't make (laughs) how could you ever ask somebody to do that it's so unrealistic like he could have said like maybe fifty thousand even would have been better but like a hundred thousand dollars for all this I don't know I feel like there's always just these unreasonable unrealistic expectations that no there are because it's like I could see if it was like oh you have two weeks you have 30 days to find this this and that but like by tomorrow be so serious that's not gonna happen (laughs) I know (laughs) if you want to keep your job like everybody's getting fired like (laughs) yeah they're just doing mass layoffs (laughs) I know like it doesn't even work like that there's no way that it's not even feasible you know I don't know it's just a bit ridiculous to me but another thing I didn't realize how big of an episode this was I mean we've got Prue discovering a new power and Daryl finding out about the secret I mean things are getting pretty wild here like I I didn't realize this was going to be so much happening you know and Prue's new job or new power I mean I really like the way they have it still kind of connected to her original power you know like she moves things with her mind so she can move her body with her mind like it kind of makes sense like I like that they keep it consistent like that kind of thing I thought that was pretty cool but another thing I'm wondering about their powers growing is I mean Melinda Warren she only had those three original powers right Mm -hmm. and isn't it like a known thing that every witch kind of had those powers throughout their line yeah part of me wonders because I think the same thing because we even noticed with like grams and with patty like they both only had one power like they had really strong versions of their power but they only had one so i'm wondering if the sisters get multiple powers or i mean at least so far prue has because they're the charmed ones that's what i'm wondering i was thinking the same thing like that could be since they're the ones that are like the end of the line or not end of the line but that's what they said right that's what Like, it all culminates into this really strong, most powerful group of sisters. Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's probably what it is. Um, So I guess it's not that, you know, weird, but um, pretty exciting in general. Yeah, and I mean, going back to what you were saying about the connection between, you know, her telekinesis and this power of astral projection... I feel like it's one of those things that when I was younger watching the show, I never saw the connection. I always thought it was just like random. Mm -hmm. 
And we could talk about this. I mean, not to get too much into spoilers, but the other sisters are eventually going to get new powers as well. Um, so we could talk about the connections between powers as they continue to develop those new powers and like whether or not we can see them clearly. But I do see it for Prue. I do see the connection here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll see in the future with more as the other sisters develop, we'll definitely be able to talk about that more. But I, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I see it too. So then we're in Daryl's car and Daryl and Phoebe are kind of driving down the road together and the sirens are on. And Phoebe's like, hey, you know, you can ask me anything you want about being a witch. And he's like, no, thanks. She's like, it's actually really good. We have this book. It's called the Book of Shadows. And he's like, too much information, Phoebe. She's like, no, but it's this. And he's like, nothing I want to know about. I'm serious. I don't want to know anything. She's like, come on, you don't even want to know if we can like fly or anything like that. He's like, I don't want to know if you own a broom, a skillet, a cauldron, a dust buster. I don't give a damn. <laughs> and he honks the horn and then makes this really sharp turn. He's like, Phoebe, I stare down death every day, but I'm trained to handle it. And that's in this world. I don't know if I want to be dragged into another one. She says, you know, I think it's too late, Daryl, but we won't let anything happen to you, I promise. And she asks if he's sure it's the right address, and he says it's the only M. Steadwell registered. So here we see more of that Daryl wanting to have nothing to do with this. And I kind of like, as he explained his reasoning, I see it, you know, like it makes sense. It was yeah it's a shock but now his reaction makes a little more sense you know he's just not prepared to be in it dragged into another world especially another world of death you know like he already has to deal with that every single day in the real world the human world so i'm sure this idea of like demons and magic and stuff that he can't handle he can't deal with those things you know like he can't protect people the way that the sisters can from those things so it's hard for him to want to be involved with it no yeah totally um like I do see his point of view here we can continue to talk about it as he keeps you know being part of the episode because I feel like I'll have a lot to say in his last scene of the episode but just to talk about Phoebe in this scene a little bit, I think it's so adorable the way that she's so clearly excited to talk to someone who isn't her sisters about the world of magic and Daryl is just not about it. And you could just tell how like disappointed she is because she's trying to like have this conversation and share with somebody because she finally can talk about it. And then for him to just be like, no, I don't want to know anything. I don't give a damn. Like that must be so hard for her. I know she's like over here desperate to finally have someone <laughs> that she can talk to about it and she was so excited and I felt kind of bad that she couldn't just let it out but also I was surprised about her admitting the book is shadows you know I feel like that's their biggest like hush hush kind of thing but you know it's Daryl so yeah because I, I even remember I'm pretty sure when Andy found out they were witches Phoebe was the one who was like oh should we tell him about the book yeah yeah exactly that's why I was a little confused that she was so ready to open up to Daryl about it but then again as time went on she knows that he's trustworthy and she's kind of 
probably really on the edge of her seat here to finally have someone to talk to. Like at first she probably was fine just keeping it between her and her sisters. And now she's like, okay, like I'm over this. I need, I need to let it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now we see in the street, a woman with bags in an orange outfit is walking down the street and she's about to put her key into a door and open, open up a building and Phoebe and Daryl pull up as that's happening. Daryl yells no to her and don't and tackles her as the door opens and the store blows up. And they're both okay. They didn't get hit with the explosion. And then Phoebe approaches M. Steadwell and she's like, it worked. I can't believe it. I cast a protection spell and it actually worked. My first spell. And she's like laughing all excited. And Daryl's like, oh no, don't tell me she's a witch too. So, so this is a cute, interesting scene. Just like Daryl's protectiveness and everything. You know, I really admire him jumping, like he said, right into the line of danger, like he was talking about in the previous scene to protect this woman. And then we have her, you know, so excited about this spell that she cast. And now we know the connection of the list, right? At least M. Steadwell is also a witch like the sisters. Exactly. Now the list is starting to make a little more sense. You know, obviously it's got something to do with witches. We're still not exactly sure why. But yeah, I thought it was a cute little thing too. And Daryl's little Daryl's reaction like, oh, don't tell me she's a witch too. I <laughs> thought it was funny. So then we're at an apartment building and Piper and Prue are coming out of the elevator They see that the place is full of really expensive stuff. Piper's going to go look in the kitchen. Prue's going to go look in the bedroom. And she's really impressed and then goes into the closet and starts touching all of this woman's clothes and stuff. In the kitchen, Piper sees that the fridge and the cabinets are all empty. Back in the closet, Prue finds a bunch of wigs and jewelry and all types of stuff. Piper sees like a little pile of mail and starts going through it and sees that it's addressed to current resident. In the bedroom, Prue is trying on a jacket and like this leather outfit and she's spinning in front of the mirror. Piper walks in and she's like, she must not have lived here long. All the mail is marked resident. Were you twirling? And Prue's like, no, but um, opportunity knocked and I did answer. Check out this wardrobe. And Piper's kind of like telling her to focus. She's like, I can't. It's not just the clothes, wigs, makeup kits, prosthetics, enhancements. Piper says, I wonder if anybody knew what she really looked like. Prue says she doubts it. And Piper says, if it weren't for the roses, we wouldn't even know what to call her. They're addressed to Ms. Hellfire. Loving it. Love the name. Me too. So intense, you know? Honestly, really that's what I want in. my little nickname to be, Miss Hellfire. Badass. I know, it's so badass. I want someone to call me that. <laughs> also, Prue in the closet with all those clothes. I would be doing the exact same thing. I mean, I would have snuck an earring or two, you know? <laughs> like, maybe a necklace. Like, she's got all this stuff. The woman's dead. She's not going to be needing it. Like... <laughs> I would snag one, probably. I wouldn't be able to resist. Especially that wardrobe. Are you kidding me? And I feel like it's one of those things that, like, very much fits her character. Because I think we've seen throughout the show, like, Phoebe and Prue especially, like, do have this obsession with, like, clothes and bags and all that type of thing. So it definitely makes sense that she's sitting there trying on the woman's clothes. Yeah. 
And of course, Piper being her, uh, she's always, you know, the the more focused one on these things or more fearful. So she kind of wants to get to the bottom of it more. That's what she's focused on. And it fits her character too, to be over there like Prue. <laughs> Can you stop? <laughs> yeah. And I also just love this idea of this woman who like has no identity, has no connections. Like it's really interesting to me because again, you know, the show kind of brought it up earlier when Daryl was like, she because like it's not typically women that we see in this position so I like that play on the hitman role that the show does me too and I'm also I've always been curious about like how people end up in a position like that you know Mm -hmm. to just have no identity and like this crazy combat training basically and all those things like I wonder what's the history behind that you know it's kind of (laughs) cool Yeah, no, it is. And it literally reminds me of a movie I watched the other day. I don't know if you've heard of it. It came out either last year or in 2021. And it's called Nobody. And it's about this guy who was like a basically a government sanctioned hitman. And it's all about how like his identity was hidden and like all this stuff and like all his files were super confidential and everyone was terrified of him. And he like takes out the entire Russian mob by himself because, you know, it's an action movie. But like it was... It reminded me a lot of what's going on here with Miss Hellfire and kind of the way they establish hitmans in uh, television and in movies as kind of these people with no connections. And I mean, not that I know much about like hitmen and hit women in real life, but it's just, it's a really interesting concept that I feel like comes up in pop culture over and over again. Yeah, there's tons of movies about it. I haven't seen that one, but I've heard of or seen similar things where there are like assassins like this and hit men and hit women and it always makes you wonder you know so then they're still in the apartment but now they've moved over to the living room and Prue's looking at the roses and the card says Miss Hellfire until we meet at last Bane then the elevator opens and three men with guns are there waiting there's one with a ponytail and he's kind of like the leader because he's the one who's talking he says don't move, don't even flinch or you're dead. Now slowly turn around. Watch her hand. She can kill you with them in a second. Miss Hellfire, I presume? She says, are you Bane? He says, I'm his right-hand man, DJ. And the other two walk closer to her. He says, Bane is very unhappy with you. He'd like to see you now. Piper kind of comes out from behind the wall and she freezes the room and Piper starts to leave and she's kind of expecting Prue to follow her. And Prue says, you know, they think I'm Hellfire. And Piper's like, so? She's like, so maybe I should go with them. I mean, maybe the best way to find out who hired her is to pretend to be her. I mean, you said it yourself. Nobody knows what she looks like. Certainly not this Bane guy. She says, well, Prue, somebody might know what she looks like. Prue says she can protect herself and that she has something they don't have, something guns can't even compete with. And Piper's like, today may not be the best day to boast about your powers. And Prue says that the demon is eventually going to figure out that P. Hallowell is still alive and send someone else. So they need to do something. So they go back to their positions and Piper says, is it just me or are you a little too eager to play this role? And Prue says, it's not a bad role to play. So Piper unfreezes them. And, you know, the guy says, are you going to make this easy or not? And she says, put that thing away before you hurt yourself. 
And then she walks over to the elevator as the men follow and Piper watches them all walk out and we can tell that she's kind of worried about Prue. So I'm kind of loving this idea of Prue taking her identity. I mean, yeah, it may be dangerous, but this badass role, like it suits Prue, you know, like she can handle it. And the way that like she knows how to talk to them, she knows how to be confident. And that's really what you need to have. I feel like that's what this hit woman would be like, you know? So I don't know. I kind of love it. Yeah, there's something I'm starting to notice develop in Prue's character. And like, it's not an insult in any way, but there is this sort of like overconfidence to her that comes up sometimes. And I'm interested Mm -hmm. to see how that'll continue throughout the show and kind of the effects it'll have on her and her relationships with her sisters, because it's not the first time we're seeing her kind of making a decision that is a little rash. I mean, we're going to see it play out well in this episode, spoiler to the end of the episode, but sometimes Prue does jump into things because she just thinks she can handle it. A lot of the time she ends up being right, but I worry that at some point she might not be and that she should sometimes take her sister's worries and fears into account before she acts. I definitely agree with that. I've noticed that about her too. And I mean, I assume part of it comes from that instinct to take care of her sisters and protect them, being that she was the one who basically raised them, you know, and helped or helped raise them. So I think it kind of made her develop this ego a little bit. Um, Not that it's like totally unwarranted. I mean, Prue really is a badass. She can handle her shit. But like you said, there are some scenarios where she should take her sister's thoughts and worries and before she decides things because she would expect that from them you know she would expect that they'd tell her before doing anything basically when it involves magic and it also brings me back to when Andy first died and they were struggling with the demon I think it was what was it during the the Abraxas Abraxas yeah and she was crying downstairs like why is everything always on me like I'm supposed to be the strong one this blah 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 why didn't why couldn't I save Andy if I'm you know all of that and it's like it almost sounds like part of her doesn't want to do that but I think she does it unintentionally you know Mm -hmm. makes herself kind of the mom yeah if you know what I mean you know make puts everything on herself and then gets overwhelmed about it every now and then, but she's kind of the one doing it. Yeah, I also will say, I agree with Piper. Like, Prue does seem a little bit eager to play this role, and I think it's because no matter what Ms. Hellfire is, like, her life is something Prue's isn't, and that's that it's... She makes all the decisions, right? And it's fun. It's exciting. It's not the same stress of like hey you have to raise two hundred thousand dollars by tomorrow right right she doesn't have to be this like officey put together kind of person you know she gets to fill that excitement and void in her life yeah exactly because she even said earlier in the episode i never get to have fun anymore now will this be too much fun we'll find out yeah <laughs> oh boy So 
now we are at this Bane character's house. And Bane, we see him sitting on a couch. And three men are standing around him. And some guy is telling him he tried to get the money for him. And Bane's like, you lied to me. Very, like, Godfather-like. <laughs> it's like, like, you lied to me. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was funny. And then he keeps, the guy keeps going on. And he's like, Bane's like, you made a mistake and you're sorry for it, right? And then he notices the other men and Prue walking in together. And he kind of like loses track of this guy and is like, well, lesson learned, all right? Just never lie to me again, understood? And then the guy thanks him and leaves. And Bane gets up and walks towards them. And he says, wow, you are more beautiful than I imagined. And Prue says, so we finally meet. And he says, did you like the roses? Prue says, I would have preferred orchids. And he's like, beautiful and honest. And then he smiles at her and says, like, let's take a walk. So they start walking up the stairs together. And he's like, what do I call you? She's like, what you always call me. He's like, well, Miss Hellfire seems so cold in person. Unless your emails to me have been a tease. And then she takes off her jacket. And she's like, I think you know me better than that. And sits down. He says, do I? You didn't confirm the Hallowells this morning. She says that she didn't have a clean shot. And he's like, well, that's disappointing. What about the last one on the list? She's like, Steadwell, it was a blast. And he says, I like your style. I always have. The problem is you still got the Hallowells, but you got until midnight to take them out. And DJ brings them some champagne. And he, she says, don't worry about the Hallowells. I know their every move. And he says... I'm getting a lot of pressure, you know? She's like, from who? He's like, you know. And she's like, uh, of course. <laughs> Pretending like she knows what he's talking about. And then her phone rings, and it's Jack. And he asked what happened to her this morning, and she's telling him that she's with a client. And he says, well, it better be a rich client. Time is money. And then Bane offers her the glass of champagne and smiles, and Jack's like, champagne at this hour? Where are you? And Bane says to us, and Jack's like, hey, Prue, you know me, I'm all for having a good time, but we're under some serious pressure here. And then she's like, yeah, I know, and has this feeling where she needs to be in two places at once again, and ends up astral projecting to the office in front of, not in front of, but outside of Jack's office, her office. And then she astral projects out just in time before Jack sees her and goes back into her body. And Bane's like, are you all right? What happened? And Jack's like, Prue, what the hell's going on? And Prue just is like, I'll call you back and hangs up the phone. And then Bane looks at DJ and he shrugs and then at Prue. And Prue's like, sorry. And he takes the glass. And then he says that she better hold off on this until the job is completed. She says, I guess I better be going and gets up. And then he does too and grabs her arm. And he says, you're not going anywhere. Not without my driving you. And then he smiles at her and she grabs her coat and walks towards the stairs and he tells DJ, tell him I'm on it. And then uh, DJ's like, hey man, why me? I don't even know the guy. And he's like, you will just go in my office. He'll show. And then Bane leaves. So first thing to say here, Bane, AKA Antonio Sabato Jr. Love so of my life. fucking hot. Oh my God. Love of my life. Every time he smiles, my heart 
just beeps so fast I can't breathe. Like <laughs> I know. Watch just watching love. him on TV. <laughs> this man is And like everything so about his behavior, like the money, the charm, like he has it all. I'm like, ooh, Bane. Okay. Yeah. Like that's my guy. He's everything about him. He's so badass too in this show. I know. I mean, he's the bad guy technically, or one of them, but I absolutely love his, his character. Yes. And like, you know, I'm excited to talk more about him as we see him in more scenes and kind of at the end of the episode, I'll make my final judgment on whether I think he's truly a villain or not. Um, we're introduced yeah. to him as this kind of like mob boss type of guy and then but we do see that he's not completely evil right I mean even this guy who like lied to him like yeah he puts some scare into him but then he just lets him go so we do see that there is something compassionate within Bane and we see it in the romance too of the way he is with Prue thinking she's hellfire so I'm excited to talk about this kind of dual side to him where he is this kind of like villain but he also has these charming sweet side to him which makes me wonder like is he a bad guy who's just like charismatic or is there a good side to him that's something I'm interested in talking more about as the episode goes on me too 100% and at the end of the episode I will also make my final judgment on him (laughs) cool so with the whole Prue and Jack aspect of this scene I do feel bad for Jack because it's so clear that, like, he just wants to, like, work with Prue, get what they need to get done. And, like, in his head, she's just blowing him off, right? And he's about to lose his job because of this. So I do understand, like, his stress and kind of how he's feeling. And I like the way that, like, Bane probably hearing her on the phone where she's like, oh, I'm with a client, probably assumes it's a personal call, right? So that's why he's like, oh, to us, like, trying to, like, make whoever it is she's talking to jealous like I like the way there's that aspect of the scene as well yeah I yeah I like the way that they set it up and the fact Jack hearing it not only does he think that she's blowing him off and making him lose his job but also that she's blowing him off for a date you know yeah exactly. and we already know that Jack does have some interest in Prue so it's definitely I definitely get his frustration here I mean I would be I'd be screaming on the phone, you know? I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) If I was him, you know? I'm trying to remember, because, like, since, you know, I've been watching the episodes and everything, have Prue and Jack gone on a date yet? Did they go on a date last episode? So I'm pretty sure they just, it was super weird. Like, she was like, maybe I should buy you a drink then, and then, like, bought him a drink, or I'll make it up to you with dinner and maybe they did that but they never showed it and it kind of sounds like nothing ever came of it and they're still in this like weird phase of like like I kind of hate you like you know yeah because that's what I was thinking too because I was like I'm pretty sure they did go on a date either last episode or the episode before so I'm like is this like I mean if they went on one date I guess not but I'm like is is he like oh Prue's like dating other people like I want to be with Prue, but maybe she doesn't like me back. Like, is that what's going on here, too? Right. I'm very confused about their whole situation right now. So then from there, we go into Bane's office and we see D 
DJ walk in and close the door. He sits on the desk. And as he's sitting there, the demon of fear appears behind him in a smoky effect. And he's like looking for me. And DJ's like, where the hell did you come from? And he says, you really don't want to know. Trust me. Why aren't the witches dead? And DJ's confused by this. He's like, witches? And the demon's like, answer me. He says, how'd you know they weren't dead? He says, one developed, say, and then he kind of like sniffs the air and says, sixth sense about such things when you've been in purgatory as long as I have. Never mind. I made a deal. It gives me twenty a 24-hour window to break free. But now, you people, you got to kill those witches if I'm going to be successful. And he asks again who he is. He says, a demon, a demon who has the power to turn innermost fears of a mortal into reality. And there's nothing you can do about it. Want to see? And then he wipes his hand in front of DJ's face and says, your greatest fear is that your boss is being doubled crossed. And when he finds out, he's going to kill you for not protecting him. And then the door bursts open and Bane has a huge gun and he starts shooting at DJ and DJ like falls to the ground in pain, but we can see that he wasn't actually shot and the demon's watching this and then Bane vanishes in the same smoky effect that the demon appeared in and DJ looks down at his chest and sees that there's no bullets, wounds or anything and then the demon leans in close to him and says, pretty cool, huh? And DJ just looks totally freaked out. So our boy is back. I love it. We talked about this last season, how he is our favorite demon because of his attitude, the way he presents himself, the way he acts everything. Like, I love it. And the fact that he's reoccurring just makes my heart melt. The show knew what they were doing here. (laughs) They did. They really did. Like if they were going to pick one season one villain to come back, I'm so glad it was the demon of fear. Like me too. I'm so happy to see him. Like I love everything about him. Like you're saying, I mean, it's in a different way because he's a different kind of character, but he's just like the attitude is just so on point. Like no one's ever acted no one's ever played the part quite like he does you know I don't know what it is about him but he he's got this natural like flow to him that makes him sound so like the acting is just perfect you know yeah like he's terrifying in the best possible way that's the only way I can think to describe it yeah exactly and it just makes my heart so happy yes So now we are back at the manor and Piper is in the conservatory with Dan and he's measuring the windows and telling her he can have his crew install temporary ones and she thanks him. And then he notices the phone in her hand and asks if she's waiting for a call. She says that she is from Prue. She's worried about her. And Dan says, I wouldn't blame you after what happened. What makes you think it was a drive-by? And she says, just a wild guess. And then he says, I want you to move in with me, at least until the permanent windows are installed. If it's your sisters you're worried about, they can move in too. Since Jenny moved back with her folks, there's just plenty of room. And then she says, I don't know if that's such a great idea. Some of us don't wear pajamas. And she laughs. And Dan says, I'm serious. Because if things worked out, maybe you could stay permanently if you wanted to. And then the front door opens and it's Phoebe and Steadwell. And Phoebe says, 
Piper and she says, in here, then to Dan, I don't know what to say. And then Dan says, say you'll think about it. And Steadwell says, oh, is he, uh, and Piper freezes her and Dan. And she asks who she is. And Phoebe tells her that that's M. Steadwell. He's like, and she's like, how's Dan? Piper tells her that he just asked her to move in with him. Uh, and then asks where Morris is. And then she says uh, he's at the morgue putting the hit woman's body under Marcy's name. Where's Prue? And then Piper says, way overdue. She's assuming the identity of the hit woman. And guess what? She's got a new power. She can astral project now. And Phoebe's like, are you kidding me? I hate her. And Piper's like, I know. All right. I'm going to send Dan home. You keep Marcy in the house until this is all over. And then she says, yeah, all right, then we'll talk. And then Phoebe goes back by Marcy. So I guess let's start with the Dan and Piper of it all. It is way too soon for him to be asking her to move in. Yeah, I know. Dan is like such a lover boy. Like, it's so weird. But I was thinking the same thing. They've only been on a couple dates, right? Like, I get it. They spend a lot of time together and... I mean, you already live next door to each other. Isn't that, like, good enough for now? Like, I can't imagine it's been more than, like, a month or two. You know? I was thinking, like, two, three months they've yeah. probably been dating. Yeah. Like, at best. So, it's not, like, it's a bit, it's a bit much, I think. But, you know. <laughs> then again, own. I mean, one of my friends, I won't name names. I know they don't listen to this podcast, but, um... I know that she is moving in with her boyfriend and they've been dating for about two or three months. She's also convinced they're going to get married and they're the perfect couple, but I'm like, give it time. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, please. <laughs> like, come on, two months phase. in, you're still in the honeymoon phase. You can't. Yeah, you don't accurately gauge each other only two months in. But I mean, that's kind of what happened with my mom and her boyfriend. I mean, they moved in super quick like I think it was maybe a month (laughs) of them dating honestly but hey now they have a baby together so (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm not saying it never works but it's a little soon in the grand scheme of things especially knowing I think I feel like a big or at least a part of why Dan is so uh kind of pushy with Piper or really wants this is because he really does like her and I think he's still concerned that Leo's a factor Mm -hmm. so I think he's a little concerned that he's gonna lose her yeah but that's also for me what like makes it weird that he's trying to rush into something super serious because like you know she just got out of something with Leo so like if I was in that position I would be like so afraid that like I'm her rebound And, like, maybe that's why he's pushing to make it more serious and have her move in. But to me, it feels like, like, give her the time she needs to, like, get to where you're at if you do want things to work out with her. Exactly. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. She needs to take that time. But I think Dan also is just, like, it's weird, you know? Like, when your emotions are taking over like that and you're concerned... It's hard to control and think rationally. 
That's true. So like we're thinking be... of this from the logical outside perspective. Cause I know myself, like if I really like someone, like, and someone asked me to move in after two months, I might say yes. Like, who am I to say, like, this is the wrong thing to do or whatever, but. I know you're over here. Like my friend, they won't, they think that they're meant to be together. You think that like a week into meeting a guy. Yeah. But I don't like, <laughs> I don't move in with them. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, you haven't done that. You haven't gone that far yet. Um. So as far as the Phoebe and Steadwell stuff goes, I mean, it's really just pushing the plot forward. Of course, we get this idea that Marcy has no desire to like hide that she's a witch or anything. And yeah. there's the fear that she's going to expose them to Dan and maybe other characters the episode goes on so there's that element of it as well and of course we're seeing here that she's not a real witch like them because she did freeze right exactly so I guess more of a practitioner Mm -hmm. you wouldn't think that that would count as like a real witch you know that that Barbus could use to kill and gain and come back or whatever his plan is you know yeah because then why wouldn't he just kill those types of witches because they don't have powers and would be much so much easier for him to get rid of exactly so it's a little weird to me but i mean i guess it is what it is also super weird that like like who just walks into a room and it's like oh is he a warlock or a witch or whatever the hell she was gonna say like what she just walked in and like open fire said that like why did you just well because like, I guess for her from? like being a witch is her whole personality so she's not hiding it at all right so she doesn't really get where the sisters are probably coming from in this like oh like we keep our witch life separate from our real life right but what I'm saying is why was her first thought when she walked in a room this guy's a witch oh yeah not oh hi I'm Marcy what's your yeah, age like not is like oh witch? hi no exactly oh hi nice to meet you I'm Marcy it was none of that it was just walked in the room oh is he a witch like (laughs) it doesn't make any that's not how it actually would have gone I feel like you know that's not how conversations work yeah and she didn't even question Piper you know like skipped past Piper and was like I don't know who like he she doesn't know anything about Piper either Maybe just she just wanted to like, get with Dan. She was like, he's hot. Is he a witch? <laughs> Imagine like they unfreeze her and the rest of that sentence was like, oh, is he single? Because he is hot as hell. Like, <laughs> like it has nothing to do with what they're all worried about. Like, I don't know. It was just, it's just not how conversations go. <laughs> it's just funny to me. So then we're back at Hellfire's apartment and Bane and Prue enter from the elevator and she's thanking him for the ride and then notices there are orchids on the table and all around the room and oh my god. And he smiles and he's like, you said you preferred orchids and she says she's impressed. He says, I'm glad, now close your eyes, trust me. So she does and he pulls out a jewelry box and she he's like, all right, open them. And open this when I leave, okay? And remember, three Hallowells by midnight. On second thought, make it by 10. It gives me more time to take care of it myself in case you fail. And then he kisses her and leaves. And Prue opens the necklace and looks at it and then sighs. 
So I really like the, I mean, I know Bane at the moment is technically the villain, but like you said, he's got this romantic side of him and I'm kind of liking the energy between the two of them. There like is, it's there is something me. with him and Prue that I'm seeing here and I like it. Yeah. And I feel weird that I'm more drawn to this than I am to Prue and Jack, which I think is the couple that the show wants us to want together. Yeah. And I mean, I think we could think about this in one of two ways, because I think based off of what we're seeing of Bane, you could read him as this nice romantic guy, which is how I want to see him, right? right? But there's also this idea that he could be kind of like this narcissist who's doing all this for her just to win her over because we know that he's a villain in some way so I'm wondering like is he just kind of like love bombing her by giving her all these gifts and like doing all this in the beginning just so he can win her over and kind of have her as a possession too right yeah that's a different way of looking at it I hadn't really thought of it that way but I mean, you're right. He kind of has everything. Like, it could be that he just wants to have her so that he can kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, so you I know, that. because I love this actor so much, I'm like, I want him to be a good guy, right? And this just to be super romantic. But like, the cynical part of me is like, I'm watching you, Bane. <laughs> yeah, right. You got to be realistic about it. I mean, yeah, we love the actor, but at the end of the day, we're talking about the character you know Mm -hmm. so that's what we kind of have to focus on more unfortunately (laughs) because part of me is like I'd love someone to find out I like a flower and just fill a room with them but at the same time I'm like that's kind of a little much yeah that's overkill I wouldn't know what to do with all that I'd kind of be annoyed about it honestly (laughs) be like what the fuck did you give me 75 orchids what am I gonna do with these also now I have to keep a bunch of plants alive that's that's so much I got people to kill I'm like I'm a busy woman I'm out here committing mass murder come on like I'm a full-on assassin and you want me to take care of these damn plants it's kind of funny so now we are at the medical examiner's office and DJ walks in with the demon of fear And the coroner tells him he can't, like, be here, he can't come in. And then he pushes him down onto the table, and he's like, what do you want? And the demon of fear says, why, your greatest fear, of course. Um, And then he says that it's being autopsied himself. And then the saw thing kind of starts buzzing and floating in the air, and he screams, and it, like, goes down, autopsies him, obviously. And then later, DJ opens one of the drawers, And Hellfire's body is in there. And the demon says, it doesn't look like much of an explosion victim to me. And then DJ shakes his head, mad. And he says, I think your fears of a double cross are are justified. I was going to say, there's not too much here, except now they know, obviously, Prue is not the real Ms. Hellfire. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So then we're back at the manor and it's nighttime now. Marcy's in the kitchen and she's like going through all their cabinets. She is not a very like nice guest. And she's like, oh, my stars. And Piper and Phoebe run in. They're like, what's wrong? She's like, you can't keep Wolfsbane and Holy Thistle on the same shelf. Their harmonics are 
in complete opposition. I mean, I don't want to second guess a sister witch, but this is all wrong. I don't see how you can cast a spell that's worth a darn. And Piper's like, now wait just a minute, Missy. And then they hear a car door close and look out the window to see Prue get out of a Porsche. And Piper and Phoebe walk to the front hall to meet up with her. And Phoebe's like, wow. And Piper says, gee, Prue, looks like being a hired killer agrees with you. And Prue says she don't she doesn't want to run the risk of anyone seeing her out of uniform. Piper says that they've been worried, and she said she didn't want to jeopardize her cover. Phoebe says, nice cover. And Piper says, a nice Porsche, a gift from Bane. And Prue says, no, Bane prefers, never mind. Look, I need to get back before they get suspicious. Tell me what you know. Phoebe says that M. Steadwell is safe. And Piper says can't say the same for the kitchen. And Prue asks why she was on the list. And Phoebe says could be because she's a witch. I mean, not a magical witch, but a witch practitioner nonetheless. Prue says, I wonder if all the names were witches, how many were on the list. Piper says 11, except that P. Hallowell was only down once. So if you count us individually, 13. And that's when they figure it out. Prue says 13 dead witches by midnight on Friday the 13th. Ring any bells? And Piper says Barbus. So we finally have a name for the demon of fear, but it kind of came out of nowhere. Why do we all of a sudden know his name is Barbus? And then Prue says it's gotta be. Phoebe says it can't be. We 86'd him already. Prue says he must have found a loophole. And that she's going to go back to Bane and try to get Barbus to come out. Piper tells her she can't go back there. Prue tells her it's almost eight, so she needs to act fast or Bane will want their bodies. Phoebe tells her to have fun and Prue says, I'm working. Phoebe says, more like working it. Come on, Prue. I've taken a walk on the dark side. I know all the signs. Prue says, okay, so it's a little different. And Phoebe says, and dangerous. Prue says that she can handle it. And Piper reminds her that Barbus can paralyze her with her greatest fear. She says, how? I already conquered my fear of drowning. What else can he do? And Phoebe says, maybe tap into some other fear. You can't defeat him alone, Prue. She says, I know that, but for now I'll be okay. I'll call you guys and check in in an hour. And she leaves and Piper and Phoebe just kind of look at each other. So here we go again with Prue kind of making these decisions despite her sister's opinions and fears so i'm starting to pick up on more what you were talking about but i love that we finally got barbus's name and that they kind of figured everything out it it worked you know it didn't feel like like how did they it didn't feel like they took a big leap to get there like they've dealt with this before um they know it's barbus's thing so exactly yeah makes sense that's weird though that they never named him and I know because last episode he it. never had a name and then all of a sudden they're like oh it's Barbus and we're like Barbus has a name okay yeah <laughs> yes that's him also like I mean Marcy in this scene so freaking annoying like if she was at my house I would be like I don't even want to protect you anymore yeah like such a horrible house guest like just because you're a witch and that's like your whole personality doesn't mean you have to act like that you know Mm -hmm. like that has nothing to do with you being this super rude annoying person you know like it doesn't yeah it doesn't make sense to me but I guess it's to add a little conflict to the episode I guess but 
I just can't stand her. Yeah, no, she's awful. Like, I'm pissed. So now we are at the reptile room bar, and this place is packed. People are dancing and everything. Prue walks in looking sexy as hell in a leather crop top and a fur jacket. And Bane looks over and turns and looks at her as they walk up to each other. And she takes off her jacket. And he says, you look like you're ready to celebrate. Are the Hallowells dead? She says, the night's young. We have a little bit of business to discuss. And he leans in closer to her and he goes, all work and no play. She's like, we'll play right after I get my money. He says, you'll get your money. You'll get paid when they're dead. And then she says, you know, the boss has a nasty little habit of disappearing in the middle of the night. I'd hate for my money to disappear with him. Can I trust you? And Barbus? And he says, I'm still, I'm disappointed you doubt either one of us. She says she wants to talk to him. And he's like, well, like you said, the night is young. And then he leads her onto the dance floor and they start dancing together all smiley. And they start making out. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then DJ walks up to them and Bane says, DJ, what's your problem? And he's like, I need to talk to you. He says, it better be life and death. Excuse me. And he kisses her hand and then goes and she starts dancing with this other guy. And then over by the bar, DJ and Bane are talking, but looking back at Prue and Bane says, make it fast. He says, I just got back from the morgue and tells him that Marcy Steadwell isn't dead. The real Miss Hellfire is. And him and Prue are making eye contact as she dances with the other guy. And Bane says, I don't believe it. He says, well, Barbus believes it. And then he looks at Prue and then at DJ. So, oh my god, this scene between them, like, I, the chemistry is so crazy between these two. Like, I'm just like, yes, 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 the whole time. Oh yeah, absolutely loving it. And, like, Prue really plays this role, like, so well. Like, the outfits, the attitude, like, everything. Like, I'm just obsessed with her all throughout the episode. She's doing so freaking amazing. Absolutely killing it. And really getting into the part. I mean, she's acting full-on bad bitch here, like. Yes. And she's like, And part of me is like, she's not playing. Because even, I didn't bring it up last scene. But when she's like, oh, like, Bane prefers, like, part of her does like him. You can tell. Oh, yeah. And the way she was smiling at him and dancing with him, like, this is supposed to be a guy that you're against right now, you know? And she's, like, really interested and you can tell you know there's actual chemistry between them so yeah definitely but then of and course I mean, it's all know, ruined now that he knows exactly the jig is up and i'm excited to see what happens next me too so then we're back at the manor and piper's making a phone call as marcy walks in with phoebe chasing after her and marcy's like saging the room and chanting and just being super annoying piper freezes her and Phoebe's like, oh, who knew Perky could be so annoying? Uh, Piper's like, how long do you think I can keep her like this? And Phoebe's like, your power, your call. She says that she hasn't gotten in touch with Prue and that she should have checked in by now. That's when the doorbell rings and Phoebe says, maybe that's her. And Piper's like ringing the bell. And Phoebe's like, well, maybe she lost her keys. And Marcy is still frozen next to her. And Phoebe's kind of like, right, Marcy, like joking around. And then Piper rolls her eyes and goes to get the door. It's Dan, and he brought, like, a big piece of wood for the windows. He's like, I wanted to bring this over and leave it for the crew. They're having trouble finding enough plywood. 
Then Phoebe comes over and they say hi to each other. And Phoebe's like, don't forget about the, and Piper's like, mm-hmm. And Dana's like, is this not a good time? And Piper says, never. I mean, um, always. Why don't you come in? <laughs> come on back. Here, let me help you. And she kind of lifts the wood up high to cover his face. And Dan's kind of like, oh, I got it. But it's blocking his view of Marcy, who we see that Phoebe just threw like a blanket over. <laughs> and then... Once they pass by, Phoebe uncovers her and she unfreezes and continues her song. Then Phoebe tells her that there are rooms upstairs that need protecting and Marcy asks where Piper went, but Phoebe says that she cast a little spell and Marcy just kind of accepts this and then they go upstairs. <laughs> oh my god, I can't wait for this bitch to be gone. I know, she's so annoying. <laughs> I can't stand her. <laughs> I mean, she's just there for comedic effect, let's be real. Yeah. Which is funny, though. And, like, kind of this idea that, oh, my God, like, is Dan going to catch them? Like, adding that element to it as well. Kind of a slight fear behind it. Yeah, exactly. So now in the conservatory, they put the plywood down by the windows, and Dan's like, so how you doing? And she says, fine, it wasn't that heavy. And he's like, no, I'm talking about everything. And she's like, no, I'm fine with that, too. Actually a little stressed, but everything's going to be okay. And he's like, so have you thought any more about my offer? And she looks down and he's like, I don't want to push you. And she's like, I know, it's just every time I think I have things figured out, things tend to shift. He's like, well, what things? And she looks down again and he's like, hey, you just let me know when you're ready. And he smiles at her and they kiss. And then he kisses her forehead and hugs her and he leaves she watches and looks pretty sad yeah so I just want to say that like Dan is literally the most understanding person in the universe like he always makes these little pushes and then is like you know what like it's fine it's all good yeah let me let me back off which I just don't get it like why why doesn't he exist in real life And it's like, it's kind of one of those things where I got him being that way at the beginning. But like, at this point, I mean, Piper's your girlfriend, you should feel like you could talk to her about things. Right. But I also see the way like, she kind of like, shuts down in those moments. So I get where his reaction is coming from at the same time. Yeah, I totally understand his kind of nervousness about it and not wanting to push it. But at the same time, the longer you're with somebody, you would think like, you got to have conversations about kind of opening it up. But also, if you're not thing. even comfortable enough to fully talk to her about things yet, then, I mean, why are you you're probably not ready, ready to move to in? Together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, their communication is just not there at this point. No. And as much as, like, it's very nice, you can see the, you could see the rift there and the difficulty in their relationship. So it's kind of, Again, back to that question of, does the show want us to want them together? Exactly, yeah. Which I'm seeing, like, with all the little difficulties they're presenting, as much as Dan is a great guy, kind of seems like it's headed in the direction, like, it's not working so well because Piper's having a really hard time when it comes to the secret. Exactly. And I think it's also bringing that idea, like, Just because someone is amazing, just because they are this, like, perfect person, it doesn't always mean that the relationship is going to work. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which I think is an interesting concept. And I I do wonder, like, can they fix these problems? 
can she tell him the truth? Can they ever be honest with each other? And what would happen if we get to that point? Me too. So then we're back inside Bane's office and Bane and Prue walk in and she's like, you know, it's not midnight yet. We still have time, lots of time. And now he's angry. He's like, you think you can fool me, get away with it. You killed the woman I loved. And she's like, what are you talking about? He says, you killed Hellfire. She says, I am Hellfire. He calls her a liar. And then he pushes her. Don't like this switch up, Bane. Yeah. And yeah. Barbus appears right there. And he says, ah, so very nice to see you again, Miss Hallowell. And Bane says, Hallowell from the list. And Barbus wipes his hand over her face. He says, well, 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 can't say that I'm surprised. Your greatest fear is that someone will kill your sisters. She says, no. And her eyes close. He says, oh, yes. The demons are after them. Even as we speak, they have assumed your sister's identities in order to kill them. But you must kill the imposters first by midnight. And then her eyes open and she says, kill the imposters. And Bane says, then I get to deal with her. And Barbus looks at him and then like strokes his hand on Prue's face. Ooh, I feel like Barbus is the only person who could stroke someone's face as that. And it's just, it's not like sexual or weird. Like it just feels yeah. natural coming from him, which is so like interesting. Yeah. Like anytime Rex did things like that, it felt so icky. Exactly. Barbus, it feels like. It just flows with his character, like we said yeah. before. He's just not a predator in that way. So, yeah. like, I don't look at things he does as, like, creepy. Yeah, which is so weird for us to say. I mean, at the same time, I'm trying to think, think about this, like, rationally, you know? I mean, obviously, we know, we know the show, so we've kind of already have our own formed opinions but as a new viewer i wonder what they think of barbus yeah you know how he comes across to them so it's just something i was wondering but i guess yeah, we'll true, never know because i always go into it like every time there's an episode that he's in like in season one season two i'm like oh barbus is here yeah exactly but i'm wondering like you said what new viewers think of him and kind of how they feel yeah at his second appearance here if they're as excited as we are i know yeah <laughs> it's wondering the same thing aside from that i didn't like bane's little shove okay like let's calm down here bane we you know we had a good thing going i know and you're kind of wrecking it like i liked you so much and now you're just pushing her and just like you're mad <laughs> i know literally i mean i guess i guess in his mind you killed the woman that i loved but you know I mean, come on, Bane. Yeah, and it does she kind of bring up that thing, right? Because we're like, oh, look at all these sweet things he's doing for her. And then all of a sudden he switches up in this scene. I'm like, ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, he definitely, his, he definitely sees Because there are men side. like that, right? Like, they'll do yeah. all these nice things for you. And I mean, not just men, but like abusive personalities in general. Like, they'll do all these nice things for you. And then you do one thing to upset them. And that switches there. And it's just... Yeah. It's realistic, it but it makes me less drawn to him and to what we've been establishing between the two of them. Exactly. Me too. Prue's new greatest fear, it makes sense. It connects back to Phoebe's from season one, right? right? That fear of losing each other is so strong in all of them. So I totally get that. I totally buy that being her new greatest fear. 
yeah anything else there no i'm just really excited to see what happens next now that he's convinced prue that her sisters are imposters right yeah i know i'm excited to see how this plays out so now back at the manor the doorbell rings and phoebe answers it and it's daryl she invites him in and she says thanks for coming so fast we need you to babysit and then he asks is this one breathing and she's like, yes, this one's breathing. And he's like, good, where are you headed? She says to find Prue. She's impersonating the hit woman. It's a long story and you wouldn't like it, but she was supposed to check in by now. And then he says that he's coming with her. And she's like, no, you can't. I appreciate it, but you can't come with us, Daryl. And he says, you don't have to hide anything from me anymore. She's like, I know that, Daryl, but believe me, you don't want to be anywhere near us right now. And we would never forgive ourselves if anything happened to you. And he was like, what, wind up like Andy? And she's like, we won't let that happen. And then we hear Marcy from the next room talking about cleansing the aura of the house. Um, and she and Piper are coming down the stairs. And Daryl tells Marcy she needs to come with him. And he says, oh, she says, oh, is this about the explosion at my shop? And he's like, yes, until we close the case, you'd be safer with me. And then she's like, oh, I think you have that backwards, Inspector. You see, the protection spell I cast has been doing such a bang-up job for these girls. Just think what it could do for you. And then Daryl looks at Piper, and Phoebe is like, okay, well, we thank you for that protection spell. And she walks her and Daryl to the door, and they leave. Now it's Daryl's problem. Exactly. <laughs> but, and Marcy uh, being is... a little flirty to Daryl. Yes, I know. That's why it's like, maybe she was just wondering if Dan was single. Yeah. <laughs> She's looking for a boyfriend this whole episode. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Jesus. What were you going to say, though? But, um, so this is kind of the scene I was talking about with Daryl, where we kind of, you know, he's like, you don't have to hide things from me. And of course, that fear about him winding up like Andy does come up. And, you know, this makes me really interested to see how their relationship is going to continue because I think there's, he doesn't want to know the background, right? Like he doesn't want to hear all the details, but he does want to be involved. He does want to help. So I think that's a really interesting kind of like order that he's playing on there. Right. He wants to be there to help them. But like you said, he's got all of the fears, like he had said before, and on top of the fear of ending up like Andy did, you know? Because yeah. now he knows, like, obviously it was because... Andy got involved in this too Mm -hmm. and kind of went down the same path so it also makes you wonder if something like that will happen to Daryl you know yeah and how this how their relationship continues like you said so I'm excited I'm looking forward to seeing that down the line and thank god Marcy's done for out of our lives yes goodbye Marcy (laughs) it was okay knowing you yeah (laughs) it was all right So then we're back at Hellfire's apartment and Piper and Phoebe come off the elevator and they saw that the Porsche was parked out front and then Prue walks in from the next room and Piper says that they've been worried and Prue uses her power and she throws them both onto the floor. Phoebe moves closer to Piper and says, come on, crazy sister, crazy sister. And they start running out of the room and Prue's walking towards them like very slow, not at all phased by them. (laughs) And... Piper says, what's going on? And Phoebe says, I think you need to freeze her fast. Piper says, good witches don't freeze. 
And Phoebe says, she doesn't look so good right now. So Prue comes up behind them and says, I won't let you kill my sisters. And then she throws a plate at them and they duck and it hits the wall. They run out onto the patio and they're hiding behind a plant, but then Phoebe needs to sneeze, which gives away their location to Prue. And Phoebe says she doesn't know where her sister's. And Piper says, okay, we got to make her choose. We have to try and convince Astral Prue, make her want to be in two places at once, ready. And so they run in opposite directions and they're both like calling for her and everything. And then Astral Prue appears next to Piper and Phoebe comes up to where they are. And Phoebe says, Prue, Barbus has brainwashed you. And Prue says, you're going to hurt my sisters. Piper says, Prue, we're your sisters. Listen to me. You gave me the chicken pox. Phoebe says, yeah, and remember, I taught you how to French kiss. And they keep doing it. And then Prue's asking them how they know all this. And Phoebe says, because we're your sisters, Prue. And Prue believes them. And they're about to hug. But then Prue's astral self, like, kind of projects back into her body. Phoebe asks if she's with us. And Prue says, I want Barbus. Piper says, all we have to do is lay low until midnight. And then he'll disappear and go back to wherever the hell it is he came from. She says, no, if he's back early, who knows what rules apply or don't. I don't want to take any chances. Let's go show him what his greatest fear is. And then Phoebe smiles and they both walk down to where Prue is. So this idea of, I mean, I love this whole scene of like Prue fighting against them and them having to convince her and everything. I am a little confused as to why it had to be her astral self. I mean, I assume it has something to do with like, oh the inner her like the real Prue or whatever what she's but I don't know it was kind of like didn't make sense to me like at first I figured they were gonna have Astro Prue go up there and then like tie down the real Prue so that when she went back in her body like they had more time (laughs) I don't know yeah but yeah no I mean trying to use Astro Prue I guess it's only because like she's outside of herself they don't know how it works yet so they're kind of like well if we can distract her for a moment like that maybe because she's so unused to this new power she'll be a little bit less strong and they could try to reason with her for a moment yeah I guess it somewhat makes sense I mean it seems like they were just really trying to find a way to include her new power like incorporated into this episode which I don't know it, it didn't fully work to me but I guess it it's not it wasn't too bad you know yeah I also have a question about one of the things when Phoebe's like, oh, I taught you how to French kiss. Um, Is it Prue like five or six years older than Phoebe? Yeah. Also, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean you taught her? You're like making out with your sister. Like, what do you mean? I hope not because ew. But like, yeah, I don't know what that means either. <laughs> I need a little, I'm going to need some details here. I'm a little confused. <laughs> Or was it like one of those things where it's like, oh, like, you know how people would be like, oh, kiss your hand to like practice kissing. Oh my God. Yeah, it could have been. (laughs) Yeah, Prue is also much older than Phoebe. It is a little weird that like. Because like, you know, Phoebe and Piper, I'm like, okay, they're like two or three years apart, maybe. But like, Prue is significantly older than Phoebe. (laughs) (laughs) So what were you like, 12 and 17? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) Because we know Prue was making out with like Andy. Like in she high had a boyfriend in high school. Yeah, exactly. Like it didn't. It doesn't really make too much sense. <laughs> but I mean, whatever. 
guess. But you know, I do like the end of this scene where Prue's kind of like, let's go show him what his greatest fear is. I like that line and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Me as well. So now we are back in Bane's office and Bane and Barbus are both there waiting. And Barbus says, if she's not back in one minute, then I'm going to spend my last two minutes killing you. And he says, hey, I didn't come to you. You came to me, remember? And he says, and if you hadn't been blinded by your passion, then I would be minutes away from freedom right now. And that's when the door opens and Prue walks in and Barbus says, are they dead? And Prue says, they're right where they belong. And then Piper and Phoebe walk in and Barbus is like, kill them. And he goes to pull out, uh, Bane goes to pull out a gun. And then Piper freezes him and Barbus. And Phoebe walks closer to Bane and says, oh, I'm beginning to see your attraction to the dark side. And then Prue says, it wasn't just his dark side I was attracted to. Do you think you can just unfreeze him? And Phoebe takes his gun and Piper gives it a try and does it. And then Phoebe says, looking for this. And he's like, what's going on? And Prue says witchcraft at its best. And then he goes for something and Prue throws him into a wall. And then Phoebe and Piper walk over by Prue and the clock strikes 12 as Barbus unfreezes. And he's like, no, and starts spinning <laughs> and bursts into flames and smoke. And then Phoebe says, I never get tired of kicking his butt. And Piper and Phoebe hug. Then Prue walks over by Bane and she says just something to think about in jail and he says it won't be the only thing I think about I promise kind of with like a little smile and he she's like is that a threat and he says no it's a compliment and smiles at her and she smiles back and I'm kind of feeling them again I know I'm like oh I'm back in there with this ship like oh I know seriously these like, one episode love it. interest sometimes they really do it for me you know I know sometimes it's enough <laughs> I don't know I feel like it felt like a very easy ending you know they didn't really have to do anything just wait till midnight but I do like the chemistry between Prue and Bane and of course Barbus. our boy is gone again and I wonder if this will be the last time yeah I was him. gonna say until next time question mark yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> the end question mark you know like, <laughs> the movies that have that oh my god yeah so not too much to say there it was a it was a satisfying ending I think except that we know that nothing is going to happen anymore with Prue and Bane since he's going to jail I know like okay bye Bane yeah and it was nice having you and you're so hot I wish you were staying around longer I know it sucks too because I could have seen kind of the progression of oh like making Bane good blah 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 and then Prue and him having like a relationship for at least a little bit throughout the show but it just kind of seems to well I guess I'll get into it once we get to the end but Obviously, we know that he's not going to be there, and Jack is kind of what we have left over, so. And yeah. I don't know. I'm not feeling the Prue and Jack that hard. I'm not either. I think there's so much opportunity in this world of good and evil we're playing with for really interesting enemies to lovers storylines, and I just, mm -hmm. I don't feel it with Jack and Prue. Like, yeah. I just don't. 
like it's just like a little exciting thing you know one of those little flings at best it it comes across like it would be yeah that's how I feel about them too so but I mean we'll see what happens with them we will we will all right so then we're at the manor and it's the next morning and Piper and Phoebe are cleaning the new windows and Phoebe asks if she decided whether to move in with Dan and Piper says I have to admit it's very tempting Phoebe says yeah well you know you got to do what you got to do and you deserve to be happy and don't worry about us we'll be fine especially if I get your room and Piper says yeah you could have my room that is if I was moving out and Phoebe's like real excited by this she's like oh you're not going to move out oh that's so good because you need to be with your sisters a little while longer and she kind of does like this baby voice that she does sometimes when she's saying it And then Piper laughs and she's like, I adore Dan, but it's just way too soon for me to move in with him. There's a few things I need to figure out first. And she sits down on the chair with her as Prue walks in and she's on the phone and she says, well, just tell Marcy that she can sell the ring and use the money to rebuild the bookstore. Tell her it's a thank you for protecting us. No, Daryl, the ring is not hot. I'll talk to you later. And she hangs up and Phoebe says, so what else did Miss Hellfire get from Bane? And she says, diamond necklaces, bracelets, a Salvador dolly. And Piper says, you can't really keep all that stuff, can you? She says, no, it wouldn't be right, but maybe I can find a way to use some good, to do some good and save my job. And if not, I could always astral project and job hunt twice as fast. And Phoebe says, sure, just rub it in. I would love to be in two places at once. And Prue says, as long as one of those places is fun, I'll be happy. I think I may have learned a few things from Ms. Hellfire. Then the bell rings and she says, you know, change my routine, shake things up a little bit, and she goes to get the door. I'm glad Piper's staying. I mean, this whole Dan and her thing is too soon and it wouldn't really make sense for when they need the demon hunting and kind of there for each other. It works better when the three of them are together. Plus, it's like the whole storyline is the three of them, so it's a little weird. Exactly. Um, and I like the sisterliness of this scene, especially Phoebe yeah. being like, oh, I could move into your room. <laughs> right, right. It's definitely cute. And it was nice that Phoebe was supportive about it and like gonna let her make her own choice, but was like actually really did want her to stay. Like I thought that was cute too. Yeah, and very realistic. Cause I feel like, you know, sometimes when you're a sibling or like a close friend is gonna do something, like you wanna support them, even if like you want them to stay with you. So I like that right. she did that. Me too. And luckily this uh, hellfire thing gave Prue more of an outlook that she needs to spend less time working and more time having fun. But at the same time, I feel like Prue has the same realization time and time again. I mean... Because she had it after they went to the future, too. And she yeah, didn't really change what, all that much. Exactly. And nothing really changed. And she went right back into it. And I don't know. It was, but we'll see if maybe she actually sticks with it yeah we'll find out so now in the doorway jack is there and he comes in and he's like you know prue it's bad enough that you don't answer your phone come into the office or otherwise appear to be doing your job but now you're going to take me down with you what do you have to say to for yourself and she says two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars and he's like excuse me She's like, it's the market value of the anonymous estate donation I've been out acquiring. Their one request is that all the proceeds go to Stop the Violence Foundation. 
not bad for a day's worth of work now is it and he's like no it certainly isn't and you know I never doubted you for a moment partner she's like liar and then he laughs and Prue's like let's go celebrate partner and they walk out together so now I guess they're kind of gonna be but that is the final scene of the episode and I will say in that final little moment, and it maybe it's just because like it kind of mirrors her interactions with Bane a little bit. Like mm. I did actually feel some chemistry between them in this scene, which I don't always feel in their scenes. Yeah, I felt it, but still again, more like a not like I don't see it as something that will ever go anywhere. I mean, I no, guess technically it feels now like that they're a, hanging like, out. Yeah, it feels more like a flirty friendship to me than it does a relationship. Exactly. I mean, maybe my opinion will change now that they're, I mean, I assume going to be hanging out or maybe dating, like, whatever happens from here. Uh, Maybe we'll see some different side of Jack. So, you know, I'm curious to see about that. But right now it doesn't feel, I'm not feeling too much, you know? It's just like heat. Like, it just feels like, passion but not a relationship exactly you know? I totally but maybe agree. maybe that's what prue needs right now maybe that's what the show wants us to see like prue just needs something fun with andy it was so stressful and it was a lot for her just for i mean look at what happened to him in the end you know maybe this is kind of good for her to have something yeah. more easygoing and fun Yeah, because I think at this point, I mean, we can kind of consider Andy the love of her life, right? Whether or not she'll develop another super serious relationship in the future is to be determined. But where she's at right now, you know, after losing Andy, it might just be that she needs someone who, like you're saying, is fun, who she can have a good time with, who she can feel things for, but not necessarily someone she's going to settle down and spend her life with. Right, exactly. Okay, so... Final thoughts on Bane. I love him. <laughs> I know. I mean, I think kind of with the ending, we saw the the better half of him a little more. As much as his dark side showed through too, you could see that it kind of felt like there's some potential for him. Yeah. To be decent. He's one of those characters where like, I wish we got more time to get to know him. Like, I feel this way every... Like, a lot of the villains, I'm like, oh, whatever, having them on for one episode was fine. But he's someone who I wish we had as more than a monster of the week, even though he's not really a monster because he's a human. Right. I I definitely agree. I wish we had a little more time to get to know him and see, get a better opinion formed, you know? Yeah. I wish we had more villains in the show, and maybe we will in the future that have multi-episode arcs because I think it's always much more fun to explore a character when we do see them around for more than one episode so we get more opportunities to judge their good, bad, and in-between sides. Exactly. All right, anything else to add about this? I mean, I named this episode in my top 10, I believe, when we were talking about favorite episodes in the series, Mm. and it holds up. I love this episode. I've always loved this episode. It it definitely was great. I mean, we got Bane, who super sexy. We got Barbus back, Prue getting her new power, Daryl finding out about the secret, and all around just a lot of strong, important things to the show happening in this episode, you know? So I think 
definitely this is one of the tops and I never really looked at it as like one of my favorites you know like I kind of forget about it sometimes but every time I end up watching it I remember how much I love it you know it's weird so very happy we got to talk about this one today me too thanks for listening to this week's episode if you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media we're on instagram and tiktok at rewitched underscore pod you can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com and join us back next time for season two episode 10 heartbreak city